0: Welcome to the Guy at the Movies podcast. This is a Guy at the Movies Quick bite, a miniature episode discussing relevant news, topics, issues, and more in the film industry, a bit more in depth than on the weekly show. Today, I'm joined by Sean O'Connell, Managing Director of Cinema Blend and author of the upcoming Release the Snyder Cut book, due out in early 2021. Sean, welcome to the pod, and thanks for being here. Guy, you have an amazing podcast voice.
1: It is very, (laughs) very professional, and I'm very impressed by it.
0: Yeah, well, I'm glad you should have heard all the uh, all of the takes that didn't work when we first started the podcast. So. <laughs> how are you doing?
1: I'm well, thank you. Thank you for having me. It's a real pleasure.
0: Yeah, I'm excited to talk all things Snyder Cut with you. Um, and I, I can only imagine how things have shifted since, you know, you're in the process of writing the book. And then suddenly, what, a, about a month, month and a half ago now, we get the news that it's actually coming out.
1: Yes, it changed the book. Uh, I won't say entirely because. Uh, the book is primarily about the history of what happened uh, and the efforts of the movement to get to the point that we got to, but Mm -hmm. a lot of the tone was at least written of if this were ever going to happen, uh, how long might this take? What are the possibilities? And I mean, it's the greatest problem in the world to have, but it is really funny. Like not a day has gone by that I have not stopped to at least process the timing because my publisher legitimately said, if we were at the printing stage of this, which would only be two months from now, essentially a two month difference, he goes, your book would have been useless. <laughs> <Just> useless. <laughs> the last year of your life would have been flushed. And so no. um, it's, ama- it's amazing how it worked out. And I'm so thankful.
0: That's great. I mean, well, I'm happy that it wasn't two months down the road and your book would be flushed. Because uh, oh, I can only imagine the work that you put into it. Start <laughs> off a little bit by telling us about the book. Just give us that little plug.
1: Sure. So the book um set out to tell not just what had happened uh, to Zach on his Justice League film um and and by account of that going through him starting in the uh, DCEU with Man of Steel and uh, going through Batman versus Superman when he left justice league and got replaced by uh, not only getting replaced by Joss Whedon, but getting replaced by the guy who did two Avengers films for the uh, rival studio across the street. I always found that to be a really fascinating story. Yeah. And um, when I would describe, when I would say to my wife, who is a very casual superhero movie fan, um, I would say there's such a good story here. Like there's such an interesting story about this guy getting kicked off of his movie. Uh, And then them, Hiring the guy from Marvel and then he completely botches it, you know, and it's the first live action Justice League movie all the anticipation that's supposed to come with that and it's a disaster. I said there's such a good story here. But the more I described it to her, the more that she said um, that the story was more about the people who were taking their own time and, and effort and money to fight for the release of release of Snyder Cut. So the book has become not just the story of Zach going through the DCEU, but the reasons for him leaving, the reasons why all these fans spent three years uh, of their time, you know, religiously online, clamoring for the Snyder Cut to get released, all of the backlash that they had to face and cut through, and then the victories that they notched uh, at the end of the battle that really led to Warner Brothers and HBO Max coming back around and saying, uh, all right, let's negotiate, let's figure it out. And uh, to the point where I had a different intro and a different ending because they were so open-ended and then um, having the, the ending was fantastic. But then Zach was able to talk uh, for the book. He was he was essentially NDA'd out the wazoo you know, and still negotiating with them. So he was unable to speak to the book. Um, and then once it got released, he was able to jump on the phone and we were able to talk for the book. And so I have a lot of insight from him as well, too, in,
0: in terms of the whole process. That's incredible. That's and again, back to that timing. It couldn't have worked out any better, right?
1: Well, and it legitimizes the book. Like I always had in the back of my mind, I was terrified because if if another colleague had wrote a book called Release the Snyder Cut, the, the book is titled Release the Snyder Cut. Um, that's the hashtag that the fan base used, obviously. And that's um, even though I love that the movie is now called Zack Snyder's Justice League, because it sets it, it sets the book apart from it a little bit, like everybody still knows that the movement and the book is about the movement that they know the movement was released to Snyder cut. I want the movie to stand apart. You know, I want it to be its own thing. Um, but I, I, if someone else wrote a book called Release a Snyder cut and handed it to me, I would say, this is great. Um, what did Zach tell you about it? You know? Yeah. And if they said, Oh, I didn't get a chance to speak to him. I'd be like, that's really cool. And then I would just put the book down on a table and probably not <laughs> pick it up again because that's, it's, that's the interview you want to get. So. I was thrilled that he that he finally sat down for it.
0: That's great. So you mentioned a little bit that it was it's been about a year of uh, process in writing it. August
1: 2019, I guess, is when I really started to dig in and start to ask people questions about friends who I knew who wrote books. I started to ask them questions about how they started. And it was because it was uh, July of 2019 when I was in San Diego for Comic-Con, mm-hmm. when they did Project Comic-Con. The the release of Snyder Cut movement did something called Project Comic-Con where they Flooded downtown San Diego with billboards and and they yeah. wrapped bus stations. And that's when they really caught my eye. I, I knew about them, but that's when I was like, you guys aren't kidding around. And it was so August, I started to put together an outline and start to kick around questions. October of 2019 is when they bought the billboard in Times Square. And that's when I said, this is a serious thing. And then um, a funny th- chapter that I uh, talk about in the book is right around the time that I was really trying to figure out whether I was going to dedicate time to this because what you, what you don't realize from a book's perspective, from a publisher's perspective, if you're writing a fiction book, they want the entire thing to be finished. Mm. Um, if you're writing a non-fiction book, they'll take a proposal, but they probably want like a chapter or two, which means you have to start doing some interviews. But I didn't want to put the time in if it wasn't going to go anywhere. You know, like it just felt sure. fruitless if I was going to invest time to get all the stuff together so i was really hamming and hawing should i do this should i you know going back and forth and i got an invitation from netflix to go to the um set for army of the dead and i was like well that's just a sign from whoever above (laughs) right like i mean literally i'm sitting in my chair wrestling like do i take vacation days you know (laughs) should should i burn some time uh all right i'm gonna i'm just gonna focus on doing a sample chapter and then i get the email it's like come to zack snyder's army of the dead and i was like (laughs) <laughs> okay all right i heard you guess i'm doing it <laughs> yeah i guess i'm doing it so so then i just buckled down and d- dude it's so much fun it's a lot of fun um when you sure. love the topic and when there's so many fun avenues to go down and explore and i do like the process in when writing of, of taking all these elements and putting them together and trying to make them fit and on a book you're just doing it on on a massive scale um and it's been it's been a lot of fun it's been a lot of fun
0: that sounds great. You mentioned starting off with an outline, and I'm sure kind of figuring out where you wanted to go. But in order to get that information, what, mm. how, did, how did you tackle that? Because we're, we live in an age where everything that you see online is, you know, questionable at best, depending on, mm. you know, mm. how many times you can back it up through a Google search or other sources. Sure. Uh, but, you know, you also mentioned that the whole release, the Snyder Cut movement, was just another movement that seemed like anything else out on the internet until San Diego Comic Con last year, right, where right. you're exactly right. I think everyone really started taking a look and taking notice at that point. At okay, there's some meat behind this. They're mm. they're doing good things. They're using their platform for good as well. Sure, uh, with you know donating to um, uh, to to that one organization. But tell us a little bit about how you delved into that process. A lot of it was just living through it.
1: Honestly, I mean I've been writing for Cinema Blend f- since 2010. Um so I've covered Zach's journey through this uh, on on an, on its own, um but also covered the construction of the Marvel Cinematic Universe and completely understood what what, what I thought uh the WB, Warner Brothers and DC were going after. Mm-hmm. Uh and you could see the decisions that went into, you know, trying to turn Man of Steel into BVS by adding Batman and Wonder Woman, teasing Aquaman, Flash, and Cyborg in the one movie, uh, announcing at one point when uh, the CEO of Warner Brothers announced a 10 slate film, uh, a 10 f- uh, film slate that they've only you know, th- they've delivered seven of them, but almost by mistake, kind of, yeah. you know, the way that they, yeah. fell, <laughs> the way they fell together. Um, it's always just been something I've paid really close attention to. I'm, I'm a comic book geek and i love comic book movies and this has been the golden age of comic book films i mean For no sure. matter what you grew up on with even you know over on the mutant side like logan and um uh, days of future past and and films like that dc honestly i mean people complain about the fact that that they had a couple of missteps but they're firing on on pretty good cylinders right now yeah. uh, marvel marvel might almost be the point strangely enough where they're heading into a phase of uncertainty and they're going to have to kind of win their audience back over with some new characters that people aren't familiar with. But really, honestly, it was, it was really just from living with this, um, sure. as a, as a job all the way through. But you're right. When you sit down, you put the four, the, the structure together, you highlight the things that you're going to want to talk about. And so for me, I was able to go to the, uh, set of justice league when it was still Zach's movie. So I knew I had those stories to tell. Um, I knew at the time I wanted to write about SnyderCon. I started to ask questions along the timeline of when did this actually start? You know, when what what were the the hash marks on the timeline that showed me where the... And it literally, it was the day that the movie opened. You know, it was fans coming home from their opening night screenings and going, where were all the scenes that I thought I was going to yeah, see? right. Because they were in the trailers. And then you learn about Fiona Zhang, you know, who was a vocal... Person Back in the day of of whipping People up and saying hey this is not The movie we were promised and um, Then you get to The uh, Roberto Mata Launching the change.org petition And then you get (laughs) to the creation of for Snyder Cut and you start to see it all fall Into place you start to see and then You know Here well there's two things Two things that really worked in my favor and tell me if I'm rambling I'm really sorry no you're great this is great One is that Zach worked Vero Like a you know master marketer um and when you part of the fun was opening up every page of vero (laughs) on his account and just tracing it and now in hindsight being like here are all the things that he wanted you to see you know the week that the movie opens in theaters in the the week of november heading into 2017 every image that he showed was something that i think he knew was not going to be in the theatrical cut it's um, a, a shot of Barry outside of a sign that says uh, Central City. There's a shot of uh, Ray Fisher in his football outfit. There's like all, all these elements that to me were saying, when you don't see these <laughs> images in the movie, come back here because the proof is going to be here that there's not. So, A, yeah, he was great. Start asking questions. <laughs> yeah, he was great for that. Um, but th- the biggest challenge that I will um, tell you for getting all this is that the Snyder cut movement and rightfully so was super distrustful of reporters of the media because they were treated badly by a number of high profile journalists mm-hmm. that made it seem like they were going to give the, the, the movement a decent shake and didn't. Um, and because for the longest time, as loud as their drumbeat was of release of Snyder Be uh, met with, it doesn't exist. The studio uh, won't ever. It's going to cost too much to. to All of the things that would make sense, you know, in a normal studio argument, um, but they they legitimately changed history and proved that almost anything can happen.
0: It's absolutely wild. Was there a time early on that you, you even questioned if this thing was was real? And the reason I ask that is because, of course, there's always rumors that, you know, there's a director's cut of some film out there. And now mm. on the back end, of course, we're seeing, you know, the Ayer cut movement, the mm. Schumacher cut movement as of two weeks ago and, you know, all that stuff. But uh, did you ever think that there wasn't a, a final cut or close to a final cut out there? that needed, you know, just a little TLC to get to across the finish line.
1: I never thought that there wasn't something, um, because mm-hmm. if you look at the cut, it's such an abomination. Um, yeah. And you can, when you take a moment, just, just go through it, not even frame by frame, but scene by scene, you can tell the places where almost every scene was doctored, you know? And it's, it's bad lighting, it's different film stock, it's just easy things like that, that even the, an untrained eye can catch. Um, but I was pretty confident, that if zach ever got a chance to show it it would have a decent amount of uh it's almost like if you watch a deleted scene on a blu-ray for a pixar movie and it's not finished it's just hand-drawn stuff yeah. and i thought we might see some scenes where it's largely hand-drawn stuff or you know this goes here kind of thing or green screen stuff but i also believed that the people in the movement would have been fine with that you know i think that they would have been content at least if it showed um under the umbrella of this is what Zach was trying to do. I think they would have been content. I still have the hardest time believing. And again, who knows what's going to happen now with HBO max. I had the hardest time believing that the movement would have been satisfied with a Zack Snyder's justice league that ends on a cliffhanger because Mm. when he was working on it, he had no intention of ending. He was going to be setting up bigger things. Right. And I figured if he got the opportunity to show that it was going to end on a major tease, And I asked several members of the movement, like, you know, it's gonna end on a cliffhanger and you know, he's not gonna get a chance to keep going. Like they're doing this and this is it. Now that might not be the case anymore. Like HBO Max might actually say, hey, this worked pretty well and do another, you know? Um, (laughs) But at the time I believed that, I always believed it existed. I probably believed it wasn't going to be nearly as finished as now it's going to be because they're going to give Mm -hmm. him the time and they give him the budget. But I also believed it was going to end on a cliffhanger. And now with HBO Max, the game is totally different. And I think that he might, if he wants to, might get a chance to keep going. And I don't know. I've said this before. I'm not 100% sold on the fact that he might want to. But I don't know. I don't know. I mean, that was a a rocky chapter uh, in his career with a lot of the... Now, all the people that he had beef with. Are gone. So is it gonna be is HBO Max gonna be way more accommodating? Does he want to dive back into that? Or he's got a bunch of other projects that I know he wants to do. So maybe he wants to go down that route. I think he's earned the right to do whatever he wants to do. And if he yeah. just delivers this Zack Snyder's Justice League, then I think fans have to be content.
0: I'm with you there. It's you know, I did my research last night and rewatched Justice League, um, oh. which yeah, oh, you know, and, and I gotta I have to <laughs> admit, when I first saw Justice League in theaters, I was I was indifferent. I remember thinking it wasn't terrible. Mm -hmm. Um, and, but then learning more about it moving forward and really diving into it and seeing what was changed and learning about the turmoil behind the scenes. Really? uh, It does. It is a hodgepodge movie. Um, but last night I was actually watching with a list of, or a reported list of scenes that were cut or altered and, you know, uh, details of where Joss Whedon stepped in and, uh, you know, may have filmed with Gal Gadot's stunt double mm-hmm. or stand in and different pieces like that. And it really is quite fascinating to me that, and, and obvious to me that what we got on screen was a complete amalgamation of everything else. It was, it was a, a doomsday if you will of what justice league would have been under Zack snyder because as you just referenced this was to be the setup for justice league part two mm-hmm. you know i think if the reports are correct and you correct me if i'm wrong or if this is in your book but you know i, I guess at the end we were going to get an, uh, a, a look at dark side through the uh, through the boom, boom tube, tube yeah. and that was kind of going to be the you know the setup mm-hmm. um but we didn't even get him right we ended up getting a uh, a cheesy watered down version of Steppenwolf that right, right. Um, ultimately was, uh, was made to sell toys that also did not sell.
1: <laughs> now I'll tell you strange, when we went to his set um, in, let me think of the date. Exactly. It was July of 2016. Uh, he was filming and they walked us through beat for beat. The setup of the movie. And for all intents and purposes, the theatrical cut follows that, you know, mm. it's Steppenwolf is coming for the, the mother boxes. Um, Bruce and Diana have to put the team together. Uh, they, they, he does go to the fishing village to find Arthur. He does find a Barry in his apartment. Um, the mother box does create cyborg. Like all, there are elements that are there. Sure. But, there's there was the the story of the two hour mandate. You know that the, the studios said essentially it has to come in under two hours, um, and so and I, I hope that the version that goes to HBO Max honestly becomes a six part series mm. because I think the the best difference between Zach's version and and what Joss had to do is just Zach's is going to have time to breathe. Even if you see those same scenes, if you you see Bruce going to see Arthur for the first time and and his time recruiting Barry. It, there'll be enough of a of a flow to it, you know, that it won't be this chopped up, truncated version of, of putting everything together. And, yeah. I, and I think, you know, Cyborg, or I think Ray Fisher's character took the brunt of those cuts. And I don't know why. I'm not quite sure for what reason, because I still find him to be a really interesting character. And Joss, uh, Joss I'm sorry, Zach has gone so far as to call him the heart of the film I saw that and all that stuff just ended up on the cutting room floor to, so that they could add in a Russian family, you know, that was (laughs) for humor and, and, and all these things that were pasted in that don't make any sense. And characters like, uh, you know, Martha Kent and Lois Lane get completely shortchanged. And, and another big reason why I always believed in the ability of, and power of a Zack Snyder cut is because of how superior I think, Uh, Batman Superman ultimate edition is I was just going to bring that up with just an additional 25 minutes of footage, you know, Mm -hmm. because I think it allows plot points to breathe and play out. And if you give them the the chance to do that on justice league, I think we're going to see a very similar
0: situation. Uh, I'm in 100% agreement there. When you watch the ultimate edition, Mm -hmm. it, it as using what you just said, it gives it time to breathe. It allows for more setup, more story, Um, And it just makes better sense. And especially to individuals who may not be familiar with the ins and outs of the characters. It does give just that extra line that may explain something that goes unexplained in the theatrical cut.
1: A lot for Luther. Uh, A lot of Luther's backstory gets filled out and and the motivations. And you really see how much string pulling he does. And, hey, Clark Kent gets to report on some stuff. (laughs) He gets to go to Gotham and actually be (laughs) a reporter. I love seeing that. Such a great element of the character.
0: Yeah, it's, I'm just, I'm excited to see uh, for any filmmaker, I'm very excited to see them be able to deliver the vision they originally intended. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, I'm sure, as you just referenced a couple minutes ago, your book gets into that with, you know, knowing what Zack Snyder was intended to do starting with Man of Steel. But going back to the process of writing, you mentioned interviewing Zack. Uh, What, what else did you use to kind of Uh, build the foundation of what you're presenting in release the Snyder Cut.
1: Interviews with the people from the movement. I mean, somewhere along the way of putting the book together, I wanted, for this reason alone, I needed the book to work if the movie never came. Mm. Um, And so I can't write a book about the Snyder Cut of Justice League if it remains a mystery, right? Um, So I decided to put a lot of the emphasis on the people who are uh, fighting for it. And it, it was a smart decision again, handed to me by my wife. But what <laughs> happened was um, in reaching out to all the different people who I'd seen, who were prevalent on social media in the movement. And then one person would pass you to, to the next person. And Oh, you should also talk to this person. Their stories were so captivating, like just uh, on a human level, the, the emotional reasons why they were invested in, in Zach in his movies, how important these movies were to them, uh, how important the idea of of seeing the Justice League together on the big screen for the first time was. Um, some people who, for reasons why you know they weren't able to see Justice League when it first came out into theaters, and and the anticipation and the hype, and we're all guilty of it for whatever franchise that we adore. You know, we get so hyped up for a movie, and oh, it yeah. becomes far more important than a movie should, (laughs) but we're fans, you know, we can't stop that essentially. And as I got to put together all of their uh, stories, I found them to be so compelling. And of course the ultimate hook um, is the amount of work that they did for suicide prevention uh, on, Mm. in the name of Autumn Snyder. And I wouldn't honestly, I, I think I even say this in the book. I don't know if the movement would warrant an entire book about them. If that wasn't a major goal, that's part of their, Uh, because they could come off as an entitled group of, we want this, you know, give us this Hollywood type thing. And instead, what the Snyder Cup movement has done is dedicate uh, proceeds from their fundraising efforts to go directly to the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. And as of July 2020, they've crossed the $200,000 mark for donations. And it's it's unbelievable. And so, yeah, whenever they get the label of, oh, this was toxic fandom being rewarded, that is such an... uh, a misguided, you know, denouncement at them because of the amount of stuff, the amount for charity. And then they get called like, Oh, well you just, they just use that as a shield, you know, to defend. No, they don't. Like the, <laughs> they believe in this. They're doing it for Zach and Debbie. They're doing it for that entire family. And in the process, they're fighting for artistic integrity as well. I don't think that's a bad thing on any level. So.
0: And I suspect that's where the distrust of certain reporters and certain media outlets was born out of. Well, from.
1: it's a better headline to say, look at these kooks and the movie that they're demanding that doesn't exist. There's more intrigue in that. I understand. Right. Um, but it's also really short-sighted to say, and from, from reporters in the industry who should know better, you can't say never in this industry at all um, because crazier things have happened, you know? Mm-hmm. Oh, that th- this person will never work with that person. Well, you know, yes, they will, and and the and it's always down to money. And so, whenever someone said Warner Brothers will never release Snyder cut, I thought, why would they leave that much money on the table? You know, there's right. a demand for that cut that even if you just let Zach release it as a work print on Blu-ray, you're making a portion of the money. So. When people said it would never happen, I didn't understand that take at all because it just seemed it seemed really short-sighted.
0: Well, and a lot of the reporting that you see seemed to be very misinformed about the entire story behind Justice League and why mm-hmm. fans were demanding the opportunity to see Zack Snyder's cut. There was a narrative for a little while where people were saying, uh, when was the last time you saw a director's cut that was better than the actual movie? More, More more film doesn't mean that it's going to be better. And that's kind of disingenuous and not really uh, understanding the crux of what's going on here. Sure. sure.
1: Yeah. And of course, well, right, exactly. This scenario was so different than anything else. And that's why even when people are like, Oh, your next book should be about the air cut. Like, no, this is a rare occasion, you know? And, and listen, don't get me wrong. There's a lot of times when the studio steps in and tells the director, you know, Hey, dial it back. And they're right. So, Mm But to have this movie taken away from Zach and completely reworked because the studio as a whole decided they were going to shift tone of the entire DC experiment um, was tragic. And I I said this on a recent podcast, whatever movie the DC had on the pipeline at that time that they decided to change from Darker, More Serious to Lighter, Quippy, Let's Try to Get What Marvel's Doing was going to get affected. It just so happened that it was the first live action Justice League. You right. know, it, it right. could have been flat. it could have been the Flash movie. You know, it could have been Shazam if the production cycle was different. Whatever that movie was, it was going to get altered. And um, it just so happens it was Justice League, which is uh, which is ridiculous from a, a, a standpoint.
0: And you just mentioned Marvel. Do you think that that was part of the problem with DC, just trying to—I um, don't want to say carbon copy, but trying to follow the mold that Marvel had set out and been successful with? Instead of now, what we see is they're really kind of kind of doing their own thing. I mean, we see them branching out in a lot of different directions with the mm-hmm. individual focuses. The, of course, with Zack Snyder's Justice League coming out, some of the stuff they're doing with HBO Max, uh, with Green Lantern going to be on there, and now the announcement of you know Gotham PD. there's a reason why the DC fandom
1: has, you know, as much anticipation, if not more so than San Diego comic-con this year. I think it's more so this year. (laughs) Yeah. There's the potential for some really exciting stuff to come out of DC fandom. Mm -hmm. And people don't, they might not want to hear this, especially people who really subscribe to Zach, as opposed to subscribing to DC one way or the other. But what happened to him is ultimately good for, for DC as a studio, because it broke them out of the mold of trying to, replicate what marvel was doing because i just don't think i i think even marvel wouldn't tell you that they they had a lot of lucky breaks and would never try to build a 23 film connected story again you know like that shouldn't work it shouldn't have worked no. <laughs> on so many levels and you know they even had a couple of missteps but it didn't mm-hmm. derail the entire thing um yes i mean i personally believe that that the DC, well, the Warner Brothers executives as a studio, the B encounters, who primarily just care about money, were looking across the way and saying, "The third Iron Man movie crossed a billion dollars, you know, and we can't get Batman, Superman, and Wonder Woman in the same movie together to cross a billion dollars. Like whatever we're doing right now is wrong." And they didn't care creatively. They didn't care a director's vision. They just said, these movies are not making as much money as those guys are making over there. So fix it. You know? Yeah. And it became probably Jeff Johns and John Berg and these guys who came in and said, All right, well, we know how to fix it, you know, and let's hope and optimism. You know, that's the phrase that you heard. And and you saw it in Shazam and Aquaman, and they're, they're lighter movies. They are. And you hire James Wan and you let him do a, a sci-fi fantasy underwater and you you know, you hire
0: Zachary Levy and you, you make him a jokey <laughs> kid in a in a grown up's body. So, and yeah. they are good movies with a different tone. Sure. Uh, the diff the difference, though, being that you have a director who set out a vision for a course of movies that then was completely altered in the middle of filming one of those films. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, again, other uh, other reasons why uh, that opportunity presented themselves, um, but represented itself to them. But it's. It's interesting, and I think that a lot of the changeover in Warner Brothers leadership in the past year and a half, two years, has really helped as well um, with settling down DC to explore a little bit more about what will work for them Mm -hmm. and what will work for DC and not necessarily what they can take from Marvel to try to make DC tick.
1: Well, and here's an interesting point as well, too. Um, Marvel was doing it with directors like Joe Johnston and... Alan Taylor, who was coming off of Game of Thrones, Peyton Reed, with all due respect Mm -hmm. to Peyton Reed, his biggest credit before taking on Ant-Man was bring it on. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, Shane Black, who's a screenwriter by trade and doesn't direct, you know, like these aren't, these aren't money commanding directors. So I think DC really did look at it and say like, if the formula just works, you know, it doesn't matter who we plug in here. You know, why do we need a director with a vision? Uh, We can just, we can just trust in, the belief of and and that's where I think they looked at Jeff Johns and this is my opinion <laughs> uh and <laughs> thought you're gonna be our Kevin feige you know and and I think feige is is a once- in- a lifetime producer yeah. uh honestly who got very it's... lucky on a lot of things also but but had the 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 fortitude to say this is my vision and you know there's people who think that the Marvel movies are are plasticy or you know sure but, but it, it's his vision and he subscribed to it and financially it's working fantastically so
0: it's it really is quite the interesting paradox there. Um, <laughs> when writing the book you know you're talking about some of the successes and the people that you talked to mm-hmm. what were some of the the challenges did you run into any any major hurdles as you were getting through you know following the outline that you originally set out? Yeah
1: getting um, reporting on all of the behind the scenes stuff at the studio when the studio wouldn't help you. Um, trying to maintain a level of professionalism because I run cinema blend the website who needs Warner brothers and has to work with Warner brothers um, Mm. and not spoiling that by saying I'm writing a book about the Snyder cut (laughs) Um, because the the studio didn't want to even acknowledge that the Snyder cut existed. Now we're in a different world now, now it's one of their films, but that was really hard Uh, because i'll give you an as as an example i do have an idea for a follow-up book uh, which i'm currently working on and um it's a more positive spin on a a series of films um and the studio is behind it and the it's not warner brothers um but the studio is helping get interviews and i was like boy that's novel really you guys will do that because i was facing an uphill battle on the snyder cut book and nobody would help me um then what happened was uh Everybody who works with Zach, and I saw this in practice on the Army of the Dead set, uh, loves Zach and is fiercely loyal to Zach. And so there are a lot of people who I got in touch with who would have been great uh, to give fantastic insight into the book who would say, yeah, we can talk. Absolutely. Um, what did Zach tell you? And I had to at the time be like, I didn't get him yet. And they were like, ah, okay when you do come back around <laughs> and until he was able to talk um, I, I couldn't get a lot of insight from them. So I had to rely on reporting of my own and, and going through other sources. Um, but here's what I'll give Zach all the credit in the world is that as soon as that May 20th uh, announcement dropped like two days after that, his reps got in touch with me and they knew they knew about the book. They knew I'd been trying to get him, And then he and I spoke on uh, June 2nd. So oh, wow. Yeah. So, I mean, that's how quickly that came together. And I will be forever thankful to him for that because having his um, quotes in it, having his stories to share in it is such a blessing uh, for the book. And that's how quickly that happened. And he knew I was up against a deadline and, and you know, the time was running out. So, So that was great. But that was a huge hurdle was getting people from the industry side when the studio didn't want it (laughs) Mm -hmm. and, and people who were loyal to Zach didn't, um, didn't want to speak out of turn because they, they were so loyal to him.
0: And did that then open up or with Zach's blessing, did you get a a couple additional people after that June 2nd chat with Zach or
1: not a ton because really the book became what it was without Mm -hmm. them. Um, I had to keep pivoting whenever they kept saying no, because remember, as I was writing all this book, the idea of the Snyder cut coming was still foreign, you know? Yeah. I mean, yeah. I would look at the Richard Donner cut, which it's, was it 32 years or 23 years? I'm trying to think of what it was, but the, the difference it between was quite a while. <laughs> it, I mean, yeah. Decades is the point. And one thing Zach said to me at the end of our conversation, which was not a uh, part, it's not of anything going in the book was he said, when you started writing the book, there wasn't a chance of the cut coming like that's how quickly this all happened for him behind the scenes. Wow. And so he said, I recognize for you, if this was a huge leap of faith, you know, that you just started writing this story and he's like, I'm thrilled that we're at a point that you and I were able to talk about it, you know, and, and bring it together in time for the book. But that goes to show how just when I started in August, September, He did not think at that point (laughs) that anything was going to happen. And that's how quickly we're here now. So, so uh, so to answer your question, I had to keep pivoting and then um, taking it away from the really in-depth gritty behind the scenes of what happened and focusing more on the movement and the fight that they did to, to make it happen kind of thing, which to me is still really eye popping and, and somewhat historical to see a fan base unify like this and pull off some of the crazy things they did, whether it's, the plane over Burbank or, um, you know, even getting Subway to, to chime in as often as they do. And the trending event on November 17th, which is the really the pinpoint moment that, that turned Warner Brothers heads like all these things are so great. And I thought they
0: all sort of deserve their own their own chapters. That's absolutely incredible. And and you're we're just days out from you finishing the book. Isn't that right? Well, yes, Uh
1: it's due on friday uh t- today is monday um and i got a i got a great vote of confidence from uh over the course of this so i sold this book on my own um and that's as a first-time author i'm, I'm mm-hmm. incredibly proud of that i found a publisher who wanted to to buy into it uh over the course of that i also picked up a literary agent and and they read it for the first time this past weekend and that's literally when i'm telling you like I, sent, I would send a chapter or so off to friends, but it's the first person who's read it straight through from start to finish. And I got all my feedback back from them right before I hopped on with you. Right before I oh, hopped wow. on with you. Um, and I'm happy because it was relatively clean. Um, it was relatively like a couple of notes here and there throughout. And the biggest difference... So I, I said this on social media and it caused more of a stir than I even anticipated that I pulled a <laughs> chapter out of the book, right? The reason I pulled a chapter out of the book is because... Um, I had a completely different opening. You know, I didn't have an opening that addressed the fact that there was going to be a cut. And um, then we got May 20th and the magic that was May 20th. And then I got Zach on the phone and I was like, okay, I've got all this other stuff that's, that's a different opening. So I wrote a whole new chapter and a whole new opening. And then I maintained what was chapter one, but I called it chapter two. And then, you know, after going back and being away from it for a little bit and then coming back and reading it and I was like, I love chapter two, but I don't think I, I don't think it fits anymore. You know, like I just don't (laughs) think, but it was still good stories. It was still really good stories in there. And I just, I was like, do I just, do I move them someplace? Do I shift it around? And, and then I just pulled it and it was the scariest. (laughs) It was the scariest thing. I can't imagine. I mean, I kept it It's there, you know, uh, it was somewhere, but it just, when I'd read from chapter one to chapter three, I jumped from the end of one to the beginning of three. And I was like, no, that's it. That makes more sense. And, um, (laughs) So we'll see. I still have to turn it into the publisher and the publisher is going to be able to go at it with a red pen and, you know, kill your darlings and all this stuff. But yeah. uh, but I'm happy with it. And that's honestly, that's it's all I feel like I can be at at this stage of the process. I'm really happy with it. And now I'm at the point where um, I'm really just hoping that the the people in the movement are happy with it because I want it to be their account. I want it to be their story. And I just... You know, I, I do I, I defer a lot of times, and and they say to me they're really nice, and they say that I I contributed as well too, and we wrote a bunch of stories on Cinema Blend, and I did a bunch of videos, and it's fun to do these podcasts, but I really do feel like I just got a really good seat for one of the coolest stories yeah. uh, that I could have covered over the course of my career, and I love the story as a journalist, you know, I would love everything that happened with it, and all the people who write. Bad, not bad. The ones who take the side against the movement or or dismiss the movement for various reasons, I can say with certainty, have not stopped to talk to any of the people in the movement sure. to really ask them, "Hey, how do you guys feel about this?" Or what's go-? It's always just like dismissed from on high or relying on the actions of the few people who are aggressive, and uh, you know the the bad apples, so to speak. And saying well if these guys are attacking their representation of the entire movement when and and if i had gotten into the research point of the movement and, and interviewed a bunch of people and they did come off as arrogant assholes then that's the book i'd write <laughs> but everyone i wrote was incredibly kind and yeah. super gracious and really dedicated and had a love of zach and a love of dc and so if, if you want to do a hit piece on the movement i would suggest speaking with them first <laughs> because it might change your mind.
0: What a novel idea for a journalist. Can you imagine? <laughs> Out of control. <laughs> uh, has Zach read the book yet?
1: No, 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 no. God, no. Uh, he, uh, I can't imagine if that ever happens. <laughs> oh, no, um, it will. <laughs> I, uh, so the other day, on a Sunday, two Sundays ago, I noticed that the account, I created a Twitter account for the Snyder Cut book and it was at like twenty four ninety something. Uh, on a Sunday morning. And I happened to tweet out, I was like, oh, this is so cool. I'm really close to 2,500. Um, if you lunatics can get me up to 3,000, I'll share a, a quote from the book, right? I'll share, I'll share a quote that Zach gave me for the book. And so that was at like 9.30 on a Sunday morning. And by 11, an hour and a half later, I was at like 2,800. And literally, they were like, "You better start picking a quote." <laughs> I, was like, <laughs> I was like, "I didn't mean today, guys. I meant eventually." <laughs> so I thought, uh, "All right, shoot. Let me start looking at the quotes that I've got." You know, like, and I knew I have. And here's the thing: so Zach, uh, after he gave the interview, his his people, his PR folks, got back to me and they said he's not doing press, so don't run any of these quotes because there's one or two that I would have put on Cinema Blend. I would have turned them into stories for Cinema Blend. And they said he just did it for the book, so don't share anything. So I was like, oh, all right. Listen, I'm thankful, you know, so I'll, I'll sit on it. Right. And in the back of my mind, I'm afraid because Justice Khan is coming, you know, the, a fan event they're putting on. He's going to be at the Fandom, like somewhere along the line. He's going to start giving interviews and he's going to start saying some of the things that he said to me. But I don't care. They're in the book. They're there. You know, we got them. But I was like, what can I share? What can I share? I found a quote. And they crossed three thousand by two o'clock that afternoon. They crossed three thousand. <laughs> of course, of course, they did. I why not even I don't know why I'd even crossed my mind that they wouldn't that <laughs> they wouldn't do it. I should have <laughs> I should have said something about subway. Um, <laughs> so I shared the quote, and it was about um, well, no, I shared the thing about Daniela. After that, it was about his reaction to the fan the his reaction to the fans' reaction and what he wanted to plan to do. For May twentieth, if COVID hadn't stopped the world, essentially, he had a okay. he had a grander plan in play of how he was going to finally announce the Snyder Cut, and all of it got sidetracked. And I have the answer in the book, but I didn't share it on social. Okay. And someone took that and put it on Vero, and Zach wrote "awesome" underneath it. And so I know he read that passage, and even him just reading that passage was like, I wanted to hyperventilate, you know? Yeah, <laughs> like I'm sure, I'm sure, yeah. And so that that's now every time I do a pass on the book and I'm reading through it, I'm like, well, Zach's going to read this. Like, <laughs> to a, this better be good. So, um, yeah. But the flip side of that would be if he was like, one fucking book, don't, don't there's no book, don't, don't support that, you know, d- <laughs> then I'd be torpedoed. So, I'm thrilled he's in it. <laughs> I'm thrilled he wrote awesome underneath it, and not like this isn't accurate. <laughs> <Right>.
0: yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Don't give that any attention. So, right. <laughs> so we'll see. That's incredible. Well, Sean, I don't know if there's a better place to kind of wrap things up because the, the passion that you have for this project is very obvious in talking with you. It sounds like it is going to be a very thorough account of the people that were involved from day one in the release of the Snyder Cut movement. Um, and hey, I'm so glad that it worked out that we finally have the announcement. I'm glad on multiple levels, right? As a, as a fanboy, I'm glad as well that we're yes. able to finally see that down the road. Um, but also that you were able to have that conversation with him. And it also, uh, that adds so much to the book. I can't imagine how that must feel as a first-time author to to have that validation.
1: Yeah, no, no, it really does. And I'll tell you even this, um, if I had tried to interview people in the movement um, after it had been released, after they knew that their journey was over, I wouldn't have gotten the same passionate responses from them. Sure. When they were still immersed in the fight, when they were still trying to justify, you know, their passion and their love for wanting to make this happen, their responses and their stories were so much more in depth and so much more uh, emotional. And to, to ser- cause even talking to them now after the fact they it's not nothing in their content, but the fight led to such a better telling of the story. And so I'm even lucky that I got the interviews done with the movement in the time that I did to be able to have that, manuscript to go back through and and just make it better uh by adding quotes from zach so from That's that incredible. perspective yeah i mean from a reporting perspective it truly is being on the front lines of this movement as it's happening and it, i get such funny texts from people uh like when the subway thing blew up and my friend who knew i was writing was like guess you're writing a chapter about subway and I was <laughs> like, i guess i am like this is what's happening now <laughs> Um, but there was always something cool happening, and always something uh, interesting that that kept the book going in a different direction. And then, and then they gave me the ending that I that I could only have dreamed of. So
0: that's incredible. That's I, I'm so excited to read it. And we're targeting an early 2021 release.
1: Well, so I mean, a lot of it is just tied to whenever Zach is going to drop the the movie or television show, which we don't know what it's going to be. Um, I've heard early 2021 for HBO Max. Uh, They're a little bit mysterious in terms of announcing what they're going to release. Mm -hmm. Um, I would like to, I mean, if he says it's going to become like a November, December of next year, I would like to get a little bit ahead of that, like be earlier Mm -hmm. than that and give people a chance to read it. So these are all decisions that my publisher is going to have to make. Um, They want to see the manuscript first, Um, but I've asked (laughs) them a bunch of questions, mainly because people have been asking me that the two questions I get most from anybody is when can I pre-order? And um, is it going to go to fill in the blank country? And um, the pre-order I've been told will land on Amazon as soon as the publisher makes an announcement about the fact that they have the book and it's coming. Um, the publishing world moves so differently than the mm-hmm. film world of what I'm used to, because they basically work a year in advance. So at some point this year, they have to announce their slate for all of next year. And once that's set in stone, I'll have a much better idea of when it's going to be um, come out. But so I, I'll just say next year, I don't know what time frame, but once I know it's going to go on to, so the Twitter account for the book is RTSC book uh, at RTSC book. And um, I'm sharing everything that I, that I have on there. That's
0: excellent. That's excellent. It, it is really interesting in a publishing world, just from some friends that I know who have published uh, the, you're exactly right. I mean, it's a practice in patience as well. For from the time that you start writing to actually submitting your first manuscript to getting the OK, but then the date for release is always well into the future. Um, and so if they, I,
1: they have the urgency of wanting to time for when this drops. But if they didn't have that, I don't know what they would <laughs> I
0: have no idea. So Well, and I was just going to say what better marketing plan, right, than actually having the subject of the book or I guess one of the su- subjects of the book being, yeah. you know, actually coming to fruition. yes. I know incredible
1: it's dude. Believe me, not a day (laughs) goes by that. I have not said this is actually pretty remarkable. So
0: it's incredible, Sean. I can't thank you enough for doing this. It was great talking to you about all of it. And we're really, uh, I speak for everyone. I think uh, that is a supporter of the release, the Snyder cup movement, as well as a fan of DC and a fan of just movies in general uh, to get an account of the fan movement behind uh, Zack Snyder's Justice League is just going to be something very special. And I'm glad that you took the time to to put that all into words for us. I
1: legitimately pl- pray I do not let you guys down.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you won't. I'm sure you won't. So you mentioned the Twitter. Where else can people find you online?
1: Uh, Cinema Blend daily. Um, I'm, you know, on that site, constantly writing stories. Uh, my, my own Twitter account is Sean underscore O'Connell. Um, there is a very popular mixed martial arts uh, fighter <laughs> with the same name. <laughs> Uh, that gets a lot more attention than i do and um yeah those you can find me on and i the the snyder cut book has its own instagram page and a facebook community page but i don't put as much time into those as i probably should i'm on twitter more often than not
0: (laughs) well i'll make sure to link to all of these sites uh within the description for this podcast thank you sir Um, I want to thank you again and thanks everyone for listening. Be sure to comment and subscribe for some more great content and definitely keep an eye out for release the Snyder cut coming next year, early 2021.